Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Meet leads to longevity, Bill Ackman on college presidents, Trump concerns, and Kevin McCarthy's comments. This is producer Jonathan, and this is your TK20. And uh, just to prove that uh, we here at Tony Katz of the Morning News are, are ahead of the curve constantly and consistently through independent study, it has been determined that eating meat will help you live longer. Yes! 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 Oh! Thank you. Thank you very much. The National Library of Medicine National Center for Biotechnology Information putting uh, this out. Now, this is uh, uh, was uh, published a, a little while ago, but it just came into my world. So this got published back in February of 2022. Um, the association between a plant-based diet and extended lifespan is increasingly criticized since it may be based on a lack of representative data and insufficient removal of, con- of confounders that's the term they use, such as lifestyles. So in the aim it discussed, we examine the association between mean intake and life expectancy at a population level based on ecological data provided by the United Nations agencies. Conclusion. Worldwide correlation analysis revealed that mean intake is positively correlated with life expectancies. Bring on the steak, bitches! Just rub it right about belly! And when I say funk, I mean T-bone. Look, your doctor is the person to talk to. But these people who have been screaming at you and screaming at you and telling you about ridiculous nonsense things like Meatless Monday, would you please tell them? Cooking a steak, wouldn't it be great? You could be my mate, cooking a steak. For goodness sake, will you please be my mate and come and cook a steak? Steak. Ah, so good. So very, very good. Look, uh, I, uh, the the idea that somehow you, you know, eating meat might be bad for you. I think that there are certainly people who don't process meat like others do. I think that's true. I think there are people who, for their own ethical reasons, um, don't want to eat meat. I'm not going to tell them no. If you're somebody who is a, a believer in PETA, for example, and you're like, that's the reason I don't eat meat. Well, you you go do you. You I'm not going to tell you no. But the over-aggressive ideological insanity about how dare you eat meat and then the environment and and it's unserious. People want to be fed. And we own the animals. Now, that is 
is is considered a shocking statement in 2023. So uh, let me repeat it. We own the animals. OMG. Are you kidding me right now? I am not. Now, if one day the cows rise up to take over, I'm really going to have a weird time when they go to milk me. All right, the first time I may enjoy it, possibly the second. But after the fourth day, I might be like, you know what? This is really not what I signed up for. Until that day comes... I'm sorry, I meant Porterhouse. I love Porterhouse. That's all. It's not the end of the earth. It's not totally destructive. It's not going to kill you. But again, check with your doctor. Don't check with me. All I'm doing is reading a study. You and your doctor figure it out. But don't let these ridiculous people with their ideological insanity decide anything for you. These people don't know anything and they don't care to know anything. It's up to you. Now, if you excuse me, uh, you know what? If a burger got rid of this cough, that'd be terrific. That'd be just, just dreamy. You can now take the meme, uh, sorry, this is a Wendy's drive-thru, and you could replace it with, sir, it's a New York Times story. I didn't know it would get such a reaction. It is weird sometimes how things on social media uh, move. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Good to be with you. Don't forget to join me at noon uh, on Tony Katz today. Border Week presented by Americans for Prosperity. We're bringing every piece of the border, the economic impact of what we do and of what we don't do, why walls work, what is actually attracting people to the country, what does it mean to be humanitarian, because this isn't just about the people trying to cross. This is about the Americans who are being abused by the system and what the system does to them and where they live and the total intra- intransigence. Sorry, that's the cold. Intransigence on Capitol Hill. Stunning. Stunning. So we've got uh, those stories uh, for Border Week presented by Americans for Prosperity, and that is at noon right here on WIBC. But Bill Ackman has been front and center hedge fund guy, billionaire. I should have gone into hedge funds. I went into radio. (laughs) It was a dream, I tell you. A dream. And look at my dreams have come true. Hedge fund billionaire is such a standard term. You know what you never hear? Radio billionaire. Never, never comes up. You never hear that. You sometimes you hear radio not so bad in there. But uh but not 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 radio billionaire. Nope. Hedge fund billionaire. That just rolls trippingly off the tongue. But Bill Ackman has given money to these types of universities and has been very aggressive since the horrific commentaries of the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, who clearly gets to keep her job because DEI is more important to Harvard than their own academic standards. She failed the academic standards. She engages no academic rigors. She is not a leader of any kind. She gets to keep her job because having a black woman 
as president of the university is more important than whether or not she stole from other people's works and tried to pass it off as her own. The NAACP said this attack is just proof of white supremacy to which the NAACP should sit down. You sound ridiculous. Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, has no academic standards and is now in a position to hold other people to academic standards that she not only failed, she purposely failed, she absolutely stole other people's content, stole other people's work and passed it off as her own. Others do that, they get thrown out of Harvard. She does it, she gets to keep her job as president. And you think this is about white supremacy? No, no, this is about the horrors of DEI that you NAACP support. So with all due respect, sit down. You sound crazy. You are completely dishonest. And until you're starting to, will, to until you're willing to join us in the world of I don't know rational thought, we're gonna ignore you because you deserve to be ignored because you won't seriously address an issue. You should be ashamed of your damn selves. Bill Ackman has been pushing for these universities to push these presidents out. And he noted that the New York Times published a story with the headline, Bill Ackman's campaign against Harvard followed years of resentment. And he says the premise of the story is fault, a false. I have no held no resentment toward Harvard ever, and I have none now. And he goes on to tell a story that he wanted to make a donation to Harvard to get a certain professor in who he thought he would be very, very helpful. But he didn't have all the finances together in order to make the endowment to be able to, to get the professor. So he utilized from a company, I mean, this is, this is big money stuff, but go with it. Stock, it said here, take the stock. The stock is worth uh, 10 mil. If the stock price goes up, you can have the difference and together we'll figure out where to allocate it. If the stock price goes down, I guarantee the 10 million but I don't have the cash on hand yet, here you go, in order to make these things happen. Well, the stock ended up doing very well and it made a ton of money because there was a sale. He calls up Harvard and says, this is great, this happened a couple years later, this is great, now let's talk about what to do for Harvard with <laughs> Dang cough, I apologize. Let's talk about what to do with the windfall from, from this stock going up. This is great news. Harvard says, yeah, um, we sold it. And he goes, what do you mean you sold it? We had a deal set up. I was going to guarantee, it was, it was worth 10 million. I was going to guarantee the 10 million no matter what. Why would you sell? What's the even point of selling it? You had the guarantee of the 10 mil of it had gone up. We get to now utilize it for Harvard. We lost out on millions. So that's the story. He's like, that's not resentment. That's they made a mistake. And they kept telling me how they'd get to the bottom and explain to me. And they never did. Which, of course, is probably the Harvard way. They don't explain themselves to you. They just take your money. They demand that you donate to them. Their multi-billion dollar endowment clearly isn't enough. So the New York Times didn't report it this way. To which I responded, sir, it's a New York Times story. Getting the facts right is not important to them. I thought that was a simple statement. Boom. 
But sometimes when you hit the truth in simplicity, it carries 2,500 likes later. For something that everybody knows. It's a New York Times story. The facts are insignificant. The support of a fellow traveler is the only thing that matters to them. That's the only thing they care about. I didn't know that was such a shock to the system. But here we are. If you follow me on X at Tony Katz, you'll see what I'm talking about. And yeah, you know it. The New York Times doesn't care about facts. It cares about the agenda. Once again, the weekends took to the airwaves there on cable news. Filled with the Donald Trump fear. Here's who will be in his cabinet. Here who he's going to pick. My gosh, they're not going to pay attention to the rule of law at all in any way, shape, or form. It is the end of the world as we know it. Isn't it right? That's not who I wanted to hear from. One thing at a time. Is that not right? Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post. Yes, and all of these people were in some position, by and large, during the first administration. They were simply in lower positions. So they will come before Congress and say, look at all the experience I gained. John Radcliffe was the head of the uh, uh, Defense uh, Intelligence Agency. Um, people like Stephen Miller was in the White House. Jeffrey Clark was in the Justice Department. John McAtee worked in the White House. So it's not like these people are pulled out of left field. They were in the first administration. They were simply lower down the food chain in some instances so that adults, by and large, could keep a hold on them. But frankly, there will be no adults in the next administration. Funny. We say that about the administration now. Where are the adults? Pete Buttigieg, Jennifer Granholm, you're telling me that there's a uh, honest conversation going on uh, about uh, the green movement and the fact that it can't power a society, but yet you keep moving forward with wanting to take away stoves and gas furnaces, etc. Where are the adults? Where are Kamala Harris is the adult in the room for what? For what? So this conversation goes in every uh, way, shape, and form. Uh, but it is just an example of where the the level of fear mongering is. This is what's going on. This is where we're at. Everything is terrible, no matter who you're going to pick. And now it's a question of how do you actually engage any level of convincing? Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. And it could be possible. Very, very possible. I would say downright probable. That the convincing comes from people who aren't listening to Jennifer Rubin anyway. Doesn't matter what it is she's saying. You don't even know who she is. So there's this idea of outsize importance. Sometimes there'll be this, this, you know, the sound bite. Oh, it'll get a lot of attention. But does the person actually move anyone? Do we have that still? People who move people. And the answer is, well, yes, of course, we do. We can discuss Tucker and we can discuss Rogan. And I will tell you, and this, this doesn't have to do with with Rogan, but there was a, a thing on uh, on X yesterday, uh, Twitter X, and it was um, 
a uh, uh, an online thing, it was spaces as they call it, of an event of uh, people were talking, and the speakers involved Elon Musk, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Alex Jones. Because Alex Jones has now been let back on Twitter X. And I'm like, okay, this is just super weird. What do I do with this? Should Alex Jones be allowed to speak? The guy was found guilty regarding the, the defamation case, uh, Sandy Hook. One way or another, he's going to have to pay uh, th- th- those people. I don't know if that takes away his, his right to speak elsewhere. I wouldn't say that it should. But Alex Jones with Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones on this one. So is, is, is now my party or, or my people, were the Alex Jones people? I'm, I'm asking, is he the one now moving the message? I, I, I get it. I, I, I totally understand that if these are the cases, I, I, I'm very happy to do what I do. I'm very happy to have the reach that I have. But if people want Alex Jones, well, I, I guess I'm not going to be connecting with them. I mean, it's just obvious. The presentation, the style, the, the outlandishness, it's just not going to happen. But maybe that's not my, my job. Connect where I connect. Make impact where I can. Maybe that's what Jennifer Rubin thinks. But I don't think Jennifer Rubin's commentaries offer up anything new. I don't think Jennifer Rubin's saying, well, Trump's just going to hire people who are children. I don't think that's going to move anybody's needle. But let me go the other way. Alex Jones moving people's needle? Is Tucker? I mean, these are big names. Are they moving needle? Do they now decide for the party, for the Republican Party? Speaking of the Republican Party, dear Lord, people have been talking about what Kevin McCarthy said and taking it in a weird direction. Let's make sure we heard it properly. The popcorn moment. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's a story you need to hear to believe and then grab your popcorn because there is more. So... McCarthy, all you heard from the quote was, the Democrats look like America and um, the Republicans look like a restrictive country club. You're like, see, what in in the world? This came from a conversation he had at something called the Deal Book Summit, put on by the New York Times. Uh, And um, he didn't, he said it, but context matters. Listen. I look over at the Democrats and they stand up. They look like America. We stand up. We look like the most restrictive country club in America. And I decide then either I am going to be the leader of a declining end of a party or I have to change the opportunity in this party. So I embrace in something else. Okay. Since that time, we've elected the most women, Republicans, the most minority Republicans ever to the House. But to do so, I'm going to have to ruffle feathers. So for a Republican woman or Republican minority to win, the the November election is not their tough election. It's the primary. 
So what I do is I would engage in primaries. And I would help. And sometimes you lose some, sometimes you have problems. So in context, he's discussing what he saw and how do we make this, how do we really start reaching out? He wasn't saying it about the party today. He's saying that's what he saw. Uh, I always uh, visualized it uh, the following way. How do you expect people to run uh, for the Republicans when they're told that they are traitors all the time? If you're if you're a Republican and you're black or Hispanic or gay or Asian, etc. And B, certainly on the concept of outreach. You're, you have a party that is absolutely afraid to talk to people. The political right is afraid. Uh, t- take it in Indiana, for, ex- for example. You know how many members of the General Assembly reach out to me to talk to me? Zero. Zero. Now, of course, because of today, I'll get, I'll get some people who, who reach out, and I don't know why you're not reaching out all the time. Hey, we're working on this. Hey, we got this cool thing over here. Nobody wants to talk about anything. The Republican Party itself, zero outreach. And we're the friendlies. But nope, not totally in lockstep, so nothing. Republicans are afraid. And that has been true. It's gotten better, but it has been true about the 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 the, the fear. It's true. They're scared out of their minds. So as we know, Kevin McCarthy has announced that he is not running for re-election. As a matter of fact, he's leaving Congress at the end of the month. But he also said this. Will Donald Trump be the nominee? Yes. And the Republican Party? Yes. And if Biden stays as the nominee for the Democrats, I believe Donald Trump will win. I believe the Republicans will gain more seats in the House and the Republicans will win the Senate. Can he count on your support? Yes. That's an endorsement. I will support the president. I will support President Trump. Would you be willing to serve in a Trump cabinet? In the right position. Look, if, I, if I'm the best person for the job, yes. Look, I've worked with President Trump on a lot of policies. I, we work together to win the majority. But we also have a relationship where we're very honest with one another. Huh. So now Kevin McCarthy, who gets pushed out for not being tough enough, even though it's possible that Speaker Johnson's given up more of the farm, is now going to find himself back in the good graces of this party because he's going to be a supporter of Donald Trump. It's a strange world. And that's just it. He wasn't good enough to be Speaker, but he's good enough to be in the Cabinet because he'll be all Trump all the time. But if he took part in somebody else's Cabinet, he'd still be a traitor, right? There's a standards thing going on that is really bothering me. I hope you enjoyed this week's TK20. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. I'm producer Jonathan, and we'll be back again next week with another episode.